Yes, you know, there's only really so much quality of life you can really give them after, you know, after you go through something like that. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ollie's at the Wheel, slash Banter Munich, slash whatever the hell you want to call this. I'm your host, Liam Hall, my boys, my boys, my boys, and it is so good to be back. I think it's been a few weeks, um, but I am back, and we are back, and my co-host today is the wonderful, inimitable Nathan Adler. Nathan, how are you? Hello. Hello. It is good to be back. It is good to be back. I would say that I'd like to be a little bit more inclusive than Liam, so I'm going to go, my girls, my girls, my girls. Um, Just to be the other other side of the coin, we've got to be inclusive on on Banterolli at the Wheel Munich. You woke fuckers. Um, Well, (laughs) you know, I I like to think that boys is an inclusive term. It's B-O-I-S. You know, I, I like to think it's very inclusive. And you're right, we are trying to be more inclusive here at um a very good opinions because it makes us more money um so this is true yeah so we, we we are trying to be um more inclusive but um nathan how are you my friend as we record this it is two days after christmas yeah it is two days after christmas um christmas was eventful um it wasn't <laughs> it was very eventful <laughs> but it definitely happened and um it was definitely a thing mm. so it was definitely a, a day of the week. I had a nice time though. Um, enjoyed enjoyed myself. Um, it's nice to kind of like relax a little bit. So it was quite a chill Christmas. I was just at home. Mm. Um, so no no people coming over to like serve. No people to like no dr- massive drives across the country to go see family this year. Um, so it was just at home. Me me wife and our dog. And that was pretty much it. We went to the beach. Um, which was nice, nice little Ooh. Christmas thing to do. Go to take the dog to the beach. Um, what about you? That sounds very nice. Um, my 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 Christmas is very low key. I feel like kind of nothing really happened. We just ate and drank a lot. But um, we we went to mass in the morning, which is a bit strange because only only my mum's really religious. But it's kind of the tradition we have. Um, that was quite nice. But I think I'm not really used to getting up so early so the day just felt a lot longer and i think everyone was kind of tired by like 9 p.m so it was a bit of a strange experience we're like it's only 9 p.m and it's christmas so we should be doing more but we were all just a bit exhausted <laughs> i feel like you also just christmas is quite like tiring because you're making mm. a lot of effort to hang out with people that you don't necessarily hang out with like all day well I, so I do. you always have to go like above and beyond to like entertain i kind of know what you mean i mean we, i you know i've been with my family for about about a week now um i should know probably a little bit less than that um but yeah i, I do kind of know what you mean i think because we're spending a, a lot more time together in the day there's not really much downtime so it's yeah you know it is one of those things i meant to ask actually um um about your dog is this the dog which is, is your dog okay or is this another dog you have it's another dog. So we did. We had two dogs. We now only have one dog. Mm. Um. So, but so this is the younger dog, uh, Jack Russell called Dave. Lovely. Yeah. Nice. Um, uh, yeah. So he he had a nice Christmas. But yeah, he did have a friend until uh, recently. So that was a little bit sad, but Chris, but it's still good. Still had a nice time. Yeah, that's good. Did 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 you go for a Christmas swim? No, I didn't go for a Christmas swim. Oh. No, no, not, no, not this year. Have done before, but not this year. Oh, I wasn't well. feeling it, and it was it was raining quite badly. Yeah. 
Oh, well, that's, that's that's fair enough. To be honest. I'm surprised you went out. But you know, you used your first first Christmas ad as a married man. Um, yes. So that's quite exciting. And also shout out to um, our former slash current slash occasional um, Ollie's at the wheel member Reese, um, who had his first Christmas with a child, even if he doesn't count it. But you know, uh, shout out to him. Um, and in honour of Reese, um, I thought we'd start uh, we'd we'll start this podcast with a little bit of an update on his on his team West Brom. Um, good, good idea, good idea, good yeah. idea. Mi- mixed um, form, two two wins from the last five. Yeah, struggling yeah. a wee bit. They're not doing too bad at what their fifth is it fifth in fifth in the championship. They are fifth. Yeah, they are fifth. Which you know, in, in considering you know how how much of a championship e season this is, um, you know, I think Leicester and Ipswich are kind of running away with it. Um, you know, I, they're, not doing, so. they're not doing too bad. You know, so, so they're Good teams like Sunderland, you know, are below them. So you know, they're, they're, they're doing all right. He, he's, he's got some positive things to, uh, you know, to look for in his team at this at this stage of the season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're they're, they're doing well. I'm not sure what expectations they went into the season with after last season. Um, but the and the ownership debacle mm. still hanging over them a little bit. But they've certainly turned it around. Um, and they're giving they're giving the fans something to hope for. You say it's a very championshipy season, but there's yes. eleven, there's um, sorry, fourteen points separating fifth and twenty first. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of the situation that that they find themselves in. Where consi- if someone can just get a little bit of consistency, like Leicester and and Ipswich, although it's Ipswich in a bit of an iffy an iffy one at the minute, but um, mm. if someone else can find a little bit of consistency. And then there, I mean, Southampton are the obvious ones. Yeah. Um, as well, because they basically have a Premier League side. <laughs> like, still. Yeah. Um, but they're struggling. They were, they were struggling up until recently. Yeah, but their manager seems to have turned them around. They, they have a very um, interesting style of play, um, Leicester. Um, I, I do wonder if, if, they do, if they do go up, which I assume they probably will, um, out of the three teams. I, I do wonder if they'll kind of have a very similar season to what Burnley's having at the moment. But obviously, Burnley were a lot more dominant in the championship than Leicester have been. Yeah. Yeah, complete, completely. I think Leicester will almost certainly go up. And Ipswich, perhaps, as well, if they can keep it keep it consistent. And then from the playoffs, I just, who who knows? I think Southampton and Leeds are your obvious ones to be in the playoffs. Yeah. Those other two spots, like anyone could be up, up for grabs. Forward. I mean, Sunderland are on 36 points and they can go all the way down to 15th Blackburn, who are on 31. <laughs> so it's literally anybody's game. I'll tell you who's um, not getting promoted. And that's Birmingham. That? <laughs> Birmingham are not going to get promoted. Holy Christ. Despite potentially um, looking like they were going to go that way. Since appointing Wayne Rooney, they've been absolutely shocking. My word. They were sixth when when they decided to make the managerial change. I mean, the manager they had before his name is a, completely just escaped me, and I just had uh, my head before before we came on here. I want to say he's uh, been I know that's not the name. Is Michael something? Michael. John Eustace. Who? John Eustace. Oh, okay. Okay, I, I was I, I was way off. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So he was he was manager from July 22 to October the 9th. October the 9th, he had Birmingham in sixth place. 
Yeah. Come the 27th of December, as we record this day, on 19th. It is a bit baffling. I mean, you, you know, kind of when you were talking about teams in the championship and, you know, you, you know, for example, like Ipswich and then, you know, McKenna, you're like, wow, what, what a job he's doing that down there, by the way. I, I feel like this is almost the complete opposite with Rooney. You're like, what the fuck is he doing down there? It doesn't make any sense. And, I mean, Rooney, obviously, being a Man United fan, I love Rooney to, to pieces. But, like, you, I think this this is what sums it up. This is exactly what sums up Wayne Rooney's spell in charge of Birmingham right now. Is I'm on Birmingham City's list of um, list of managers, and you go to Wayne Rooney at the bottom of the table, the most recent one, and in his games played, it just says the word error. Literally. Oh. <laughs> so I think that sums up what's happened here. Is that it, it doesn't make any sense. They were playing really well, and they did the exact same thing to Gary Rowett back in 2016 when he had them in sixth place. New owners came in, decided they wanted something a little bit more, like, for some reason, I'm going to use the word European, but they just wanted a different style of play. So they bring in Gianfranco Zola, who then wins two games out of his 24 that he had in charge. And they end up going back to, they end up going to Harry Redknapp by April. Because, like, I understand wanting to go for, like, an expansive style of play. Or like you know, a good manager, and he did a right at Derby considering the circumstances. But yeah, you do it. You do it at the start of the season. You don't do it, especially when you're doing well. It just, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't really understand it. Like, but Wayne Rooney is not. They're not playing very well. They've lost their entire identity. I think the players have don't believe in what's happening, like at all. Probably because they thought they weren't playing that badly under John Eustace, and they mm. weren't. Like, they weren't at all. They were in sixth place. And they'd had a great start to the season. And now they're in 19th place. And they look really look in trouble. Like, they might get suckered into this relegation battle that's starting to bubble away with Rotherham, Sheffield, Wednesday and QPR kind of rooted to the bottom. Um, five points between QPR in 22nd and Huddersfield in 21st. But Birmingham is suddenly right down there. Mm. And they shouldn't be. And it doesn't make... Why would you nuke your season like that? It is It is. It is a bit bizarre. Um, but actually, I, 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 kind of going off that, I, I had a question. Cause I mean, I've been a very casual... Um, you know, I, I keep a very casual eye on the championship. Is it... Is it the top two teams which now get automatically promoted? Because I'm looking at the table and it has that line. Yeah, top, top two get automatically promoted, third, wow. sixth, go into the playoffs. And, and then the bottom three get relegated. Right, OK, OK. So I remember a while ago, it was only the, it was only the first one gets relegated and then the kind of the next six, I think, get into like playoffs. Um, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I think we're going back at quite a long time there. Okay, right. Well, if we you're older than me, the sum of your years. <laughs> I am absolutely. I'm an old head on on young shoulders. Um, exactly. Yeah. Speaking of which, <laughs> I, I I had my birthday a few weeks ago, and I I almost I, I, I keep forgetting how old I am. Um, yeah, thirteen. Yeah, I'm, I'm thirteen today. I I feel really old. You are quite old. Yeah. God, I mean, weird, like yeah. just think about, it, I'm gonna be fourteen next year. That is big time. That's kind of gross. You'll be learning honest. to drive before you know it. I'll take you out, take you out in the car when you turn seventeen. 
that, that that's that's very nancy of you um but i, oh, so I you can practice about. oh okay yeah, yeah yeah okay that's fine that's fine <laughs> we we should move on just for your uh, career prospects um, yes probably uh, we, we spoke about Mooney earlier and uh, how you know obviously he's a, you know you always have him because of united if anything he's taken a bit of a leaf out of united's book by uh winning like one game in like 13 or wherever it's been um but united won a game last night and i i've no idea how <laughs> no i don't really know how either to be honest i've watched the highlights this morning um and it was a bit of a baffling game because i watched the extended highlights and i kind of agree with what people were what people were saying i mean patrice Evra called it a half time what was gonna happen so <laughs> a little bit psychic because overall i don't think in the first half united actually played that badly the goals were poor very mm. very poor um and I know people, it's the cool thing to have a go at Onana, but God, somebody needs to give him a helping hand because both John McGinn's ball just flew through everybody. And then John McGinn just had the run of the entire penalty box for the second. Like someone needs to give the poor guy a, a bit of help yeah. and a bit of cover. And the thing is, that comes down to the fact that United have their fifth um their fifth choice centre half having to play every game. Johnny Evans, Johnny Evans, obviously Premier League champion, but like a long time ago, <laughs> he's a Premier League champion and he's 35 now and he's sort of Rafa Varane is in and out of the side continuously. I think like the, the centre half pairing of Camboala and Johnny Evans from midweek against West Ham was the 10th different centre half pairing United have had in the league this season. Yeah, I don't think if you don't have consistency you're just in a world of trouble yeah so i so i watched the i watched the villa game i didn't watch watch the west ham one um and to be honest i mean i think i've been fairly complimentative of united on this podcast generally i thought you were absolutely awful the first half to be honest i mean against I, don't, west I, don't, ham. I don't really know what happened no it, it, against villa oh okay i first half i i i think that's probably one of the worst displays i've seen from you I don't even know what, what on earth happened to that first goal. That was kind of... That was, that was it's so bizarre. poor. Yeah. It's just so poor. And you can see how it happens because everyone's really quick to have a go at Onana. But then I also look at it and it's like he's having to... Because it's so close to him, he's having to anticipate any touch. He's got like everyone going for the ball and then everyone wrong foots him. And it's like that's where... You, that's where the defenders should be. So I think for the goals, I'd agree, incredibly poor. So you watched the entire half. I only watched the extended highlights. So I'm missing a lot of context. But I think as as bad as United are at defending those set pieces, I think they're equally bad at attacking. And then yeah. everything else sort of in the middle is, you could probably go, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it's everything else for whatever reason. Well, the weird thing is, in the second half, it was weird because, I mean, I just wonder what Emery's tactics were. Because they were holding a very, very high line, which I think worked for the most part. Because, um, you know, you, you were getting called offside when you tried to play, play beyond it. And they were very good at holding that high line. But it just kept giving you, it gave you confidence. Because time and time again, you'd get in behind. And even if the goals were offside, 
they weren't really pressing you. So it just allowed you to keep trying to hit these balls in behind. And eventually, some would be on sides. And they, they had one warning when Garnacho scored an offside goal. And he went a bit too early. But, you you, you know, you're tuning up. You know, away yeah. at Old Trafford. <laughs> it is strange because the players that United have have missing show you how United are going to play because they mm. own and United only have the players to play that way because everyone else is out injured or in terms of like striker there is not another striker it's Hoyland like there's there's nobody else that can play central because Martial inevitably isn't available yeah um so you know how United are going to play um why not, as you say, when you go 2 nil up, kind of sit back instead of trying to go for the jugular and leaving so many spaces? Because Villa had the players to change the game on the bench because they're not missing many players. United didn't. It was always going to be McTominay coming on, Anthony, mm. and depending on where they are, maybe someone like Palistri. Well, you're looking maybe at the Martial. exact same players there. Mm. But I think Martial was on the bench, is he? No, probably not. But uh, if he was fit, you probably would see him come on for Hoyland. Yeah, you, you would see him come on, and he's a different sort of striker to Hoyland. But, so you're right, why not start to sit deep at 2-0? But he, he didn't. They just kept going and kept going and kept going and then just started getting picked off. The thing is, I think there's a difference between... You, you can keep a high line, but I've seen this kind of issue with, with Spurs as well. And it, it's, what's different between... What kind of is very similar between Villa and Spurs and the difference between City and Arsenal is that Arsenal are always pressing. They're almost always pressing. And if they're not pressing, then they're sitting quite deep and they make it just impossible to play through. I think, mm. if anything, I think actually in City's weakness recently, we just kind of let teams have the ball and be like, you know, you can try and hurt us. Oh, shit, you actually have. But Spurs, particularly when they played against Wolves, I think a few months ago, they were just saying Wolves have the ball and they weren't pressing them at all and they're just keeping this insanely high line. Yeah. If, if Villa wants, you know, I think Villa, if they really wanted to, they, they could have high pressured you and probably got a few more goals, but they just didn't press you and just allowed you time on the ball and just allowed you to keep hitting over the high line. So it, it, it just, I don't know, it baffles me. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right, but maybe that comes down to Emery doesn't think he's got the players to do that because I think if Villa do sit deep, like do they have the quality there to to actually hold the line? Because in the second half they lost control of the midfield completely. Yeah, like Maynou and Bruno sort of took over. Maynou was brilliant. Uh, took football. over the game. Yeah, Maynou is playing way above someone of his experience and mm. it's it's brilliant. But like even considering that they've got arguably one of the better midfielders in the se- in the league this season, in Douglas Luiz, kind of in the middle of the park. He was sort of, in the second half in particular, he was just getting run all over. So could they have, they have sat deep? Maybe. Like, it would yeah. have changed the way United have to play. Um, but I just thought it was, I thought it was very strange because it felt like even the changes that United made, even though they're players that aren't game changers on form, like McTominay probably not included because he's come on and changed a couple of games this season. They're not game changers. And then when the three two um, went three two up, you looked at the players that were coming on. They were youth players in Dan Gore and Kimbala. Mm, and, mm. and we held like held firm. And I don't think Villa really got another sniff. They 
at the two two they did. They had the um the one that Johnny Evans cleared off the line. Yeah. Which was a great. But after that, it was kind of like yeah, he redeemed himself a little bit after the after the two goals. But um, after that, it's sort of like United calmed down a little bit, which is weird. So maybe it's sort of something that you've been saying all season long when Eric got in trouble, which is that look to the youth. Yeah. And because they'll play the way you want to play, and you kind of saw that because the amount of players that were missing, as you said, is Hannibal, an academy player coming on, Scott McTominay, an academy player coming on, Dan Gore. Like Camboella, those are the players he's turning to. Yeah. Like, they're, not that he's got a lot lost. of options, but then you look at people like Donny van der Beek, who is leaving um, for Frankfurt, I think. Yeah. In January, but he still cannot get on the pitch. So, yeah. there we go. It's but an interesting one. Yeah, it's a very interesting one. And I mean, the kind of reason I said for you thing is because I had a bit of experience with Arteta. You know, when mm. we all kind of went nine games, I think one win in nine. Um, and, you know, we we're, were playing Chelsea. You know, he 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 dropped Willian, who was absolutely awful, was playing most of our games. And he put Saka right wing. He brought back in Martinelli instead of Bamiang. And he, and he played Smith-Rowe in, in a 10 position instead of Willian. Mm. And you, you see kind of, you know, they, they, were, they were actually fighting for him and they're actually doing... The tactics and they had the energy for the tactics and I think to a certain extent you've seen, we've seen that at points for season with people like McTominay and a bit more of a mobile front line with you know Hoyland, Garnacho and Anthony because you know you can see they were fighting for him and even if they're not playing very well the team plays better as a whole with those three up front and I actually thought Rashford played all right this game so hopefully he kind of I think he kind of grew in the game as, you know, Man United grew. But Yeah. And I think the key the key thing for if we pretend before we even get onto the ownership stuff, mm. but if we pretend that this is the team for the season, I think it's absolutely key for Eric that Martinez and Casemiro come back into the team. Yeah. I think well, everyone else he can sort of go without sounds really harsh, but I don't mean it how it sounds, but I think if he can get Martinez back at centre half, and um, and Casemiro to play alongside Kobe Mainu. You've yeah. suddenly got the, it, you suddenly if the goals start coming, which bear in mind these are the only three goals United have scored in their last four or five <laughs> league games. Like the goals need to start coming as well, um, and it doesn't appear like there's many goals in this side. Um, so defensively, they need to improve. Yeah. Because I think, and I think Casemiro and Martinez are, are it really. Yeah, and I, I was I was hesitant to agree with you on Casemiro, but I actually think him and Casemiro and Mainu would actually work quite well together because Mainu's really good at kind of receiving the ball from anywhere in the pitch, which is something that Casemiro is not so good at and needs a lot of energy. So I yeah. kind of feel like it kind of re- reduces the amount of space that Casemiro has to cover. And I imagine if Mount comes in, those three could actually make a very, very good midfield like trio. Where does Bruno? Do you think Bruno goes that wide? Ah, uh, maybe. Well, maybe actually, maybe Bruno could could go in that midfield as well. To be fair, he's. I'm not a huge fan of him as a captain, but I think he does try hard, and in in the right circumstance, I think he's you know a key player for you. I just think when stuff goes against it, I think he just hides a little bit. 
Um, yeah. But I, I think Martinez, I think absolutely, you, you, you've you definitely missed. His passing is just insane. Yeah, I think with Martinez, I think I think next season, if if we get into the ownership stuff now, because it's all going to start to overlap. Yeah. So um, on Christmas Eve of all times, which shows what an absolute load of weirdos are currently there, um, United decided to announce after 14 months that they had finally struck a, struck a deal with Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos. Um, 25% of the club is now run by Jim and Ineos. Um, key points to this deal, everyone knows this, so I'm only going to like put a point in. Um, key points to the deal is Jim has complete control of the footballing side. Essentially, the Glazers have gone, we'll do the business, um, the sponsorships and all the boring stuff. Um, you run the football club, as, a, as in the football elements of it. Um, there's a new CEO coming in. Um, I can't remember his first name, but it's Blanc. Um, not Laurent Blanc, some other Blanc. Um, he's coming in to be CEO. There's a sporting director coming in. Was it Railsfield? I can't remember now. But yeah, yeah, I've, as well. I think Brainsfield. Yeah, I think. Yeah, so there's a proper structure coming into the club um, as well. So yeah, everything. Everything sounds positive. There's also parts of it as well, which is that if the Glazers decide they want to sell some of their Class B shares, um, they have to offer them to Jim first. Um, and eventually, basically, Jim will run the club and will own the club after a certain amount of time. Um, so the Glazers are sort of on their way out. Other key parts is there's no more dividends going to be paid, um, Ooh, which essentially means the Glazers are going to stop getting their yearly little bonus, which they've not had for the last three years anyway, because the club is underperforming so much financially, partly down to COVID, partly down to incompetence. Um, and yeah, so all, all good. But there's there's a good article in The Athletic, um, which breaks down the deal if you are interested in that. Um, so yeah, Eric has a bit of help on the way because basically, um, I think Eric has had to kind of do everything in his team when it comes to kind of footballing stuff and kind of beg for people, for the players that he wants and the money that's been spent has been astronomical on players that aren't worth it. But Eric being one man, not an entire team, he's obviously gone for people he knows um, with mixed results. Martinez at one end, Anthony at the moment, arguably at the other end. Mm. Um, but you always go for what you know, don't you? Well, that's the thing. I think in terms of when when it's come to the the transfers he's wanted, I think for the most part they've been okay. But when it's come to kind of second string alternatives, I think his eye for what he wants as an alternative has been absolutely shocking. You know, I mean, they wanted uh, Frankie De Jong and they went for Casemiro, who's a completely different kind of player. Well, there's the outgoing CEO was the one that got Casemiro. <laughs> Yeah, but, but I mean, Tenard also agreed with it, to be fair. Yeah, but I think it, it, just shows, it just shows what the lack of structure there has been at the club when they kind of scramble, so, which is what's happened at United for years, which is that the summer goes past. Um, they focus in entirely all their efforts on one target. Let's go for the first summer that they wanted. Sancho is the best example. Mm. All summer, titting about over fees, over this, over that, Sancho wanted to come, um, wanted to do this, wanted to do that. They wait so long um, that they actually end up signing Edison Cavani, um, Amad Diallo and, and Palistri and missing out on 
the actual target and then you got like it's just a disorganization you look at david moy's first summer or only summer in fact they spent the whole summer going after fabregas who literally said publicly he didn't want to go mm. and then end up signing fellaini and that being the only person they signed for summer <laughs> it's silly things like that really that you just look at um but now there's a proper structure in place i think it will help eric to no end whether it'll be eric that gets the benefit or somebody else uh, he's kind of yet to be seen what jim actually wants to do but it's it's nice that there's actually going to be a proper structure there now yeah but i think the master of what i think you know needs structure uh, i think it'll still take quite a few years um because mm. nice although they're perform, performing very well this year I'm pretty sure they were in the low, lower, you know, lower end of League One for quite a few years. This, this kind of has been a bit of a surprise for them this season. Um, yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if it does take a little bit longer than we expect. But I mean, that's the same with any club that's trying to rebuild. You know, I mean, took, took Arteta two and a half years to kind of even become decent and then good and really good. So it kind of, I think progress always comes very, very slowly. And then it can be all, you know, then it can be all at once. It's a very bizarre thing, football, and you can never really tell which way it's going to go. <laughs> yeah, and I think with with the footballing side alone, there is there is a foundation there to build upon, mm. um, and with um, more more freedom and more intelligence in the way that the club actually operates, um, academy wise and everything and kind of on the transfer front I think you could see a difference like fairly quickly um Jessica think a proper structure is going to be in place so there is going to be that bounce to to begin with so it's going to be interesting what happens this January because as we always know when new owners come in on new investment there's usually a big shout in the first window to kind of stamp an I'm here sort of thing mm. so I do wonder what Jim's going to want to do with that um so or is he going to take the intelligent road and kind of just go well no we need time to bed in there's more intelligence in what we're doing but we're not gonna scream and shout and go and go sign some ginormous name yeah um, i feel like someone i feel like someone who seems like he, he is like your main target at least for january someone like Tadebo would be really great although i know tottenham are after him as well so i don't know if you will necessarily get him but if you could get him i think that would be a really good uh, smart signing i think in terms of the first signing of a gym error that wouldn't be a bad shout mm. who leaves <sighs> that'd leave. be a lot of center half yeah. in the side if, um... i yeah i mean, I mean there's, been, there's been noise around Varane because um there just will be when it, a player of that big name that apparently Bar- uh, not Barcelona, Real Madrid are interested. The Saudis are kind of floating around with big offers. So I could see him leaving, but yeah. I don't think you would let him leave someone of that experience. Maybe that Casemiro. Kind of, I think Casemiro is a good shout. Um, I can I can imagine a big offer flying in flying in for him as well. I think well I think Martial is an obvious one as well. I know he's not centre half, but um, I can imagine him leaving this January, and obviously Donny van der Beek's off, which does open up a little bit of space in the squad. But 
it's not that he was he's only been sitting on the bench anyway yeah it's um it'll be interesting to see what happens i I, i'm not expecting a hugely busy window for you no but i mean in the summer i could maybe i could maybe imagine you trying to go for frankie dion frankie frankie dion just for um you know kind of say you know that's the i am here target you know Jim might be like, okay, see, I can get the target, but but Ten, Ten Hag wants not not these other guys. I can imagine that because Barcelona are in a real bag of issues again. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but then again, he's point. playing regularly now, even if Barcelona are always a bit spotty with their form. Well, I think Barcelona are potentially about to get chucked out of Europe anyway for several years. That is true, actually, they, yeah. They failed, apparently, they're, they're about to fail financial fair play again. Um, uh-huh. So they could be about to get stripped of everything. Yeah. And then the next step, according to the criteria, is a banning from European competition, which will devastate their income again. So yeah, but, but they'll be getting all in on... Choice, but to get Frankie Dion off the books. Yeah. The question is, is if he goes to United or to Arsenal. So, I mean, he has talked about he has talked about going to Arsenal before. He kind of liked the idea of that kind of Mark, Over, Mark Overmars route of going from Ajax to Arsenal to Barcelona. So it's something that he's talked up before. And yeah. we are looking for a midfielder at some point. I do wonder if he would be, if he would be that guy. He's someone who I think is going to be really interesting to watch during the summer. In the end, he's probably going to end up going to Liverpool. But <laughs> no, I think I think he'll stay. I think he'll stay at Barcelona because he he loves it so much. Um, he loves it so much there. So I think he'll he'll stay and do one more season, and then when his contract comes up for renewal, he's going to have a massive choice to make because they will they cannot offer they can't even pay the wages that they should be paying him now. Like yeah. never mind any anything else. So. Where he will be an interesting one, um, for for sure. But it's gonna be it'll be fun to see what happens. I mean, he'll probably get signed by City. Maybe. I mean, his his uh, fiance slash wife is Dennis Bergkamp's daughter. So hopefully, Dennis can put in a good word for him. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. As wishful thinking. But um, speaking of Arsenal, it's been a it's been a bit of a mixed month, December, at least by our standards recently. Um, we lost to uh, Villa, which is a very frustrating game. I don't know if we actually talked about that um, this month. And just a few days ago, we drew one all to Liverpool, which is a weird game because in some ways we kind of hoped that we would, you know, win that game, especially when we scored in the first three minutes. But overall, in terms of the whole context of how we played and how good Liverpool are, especially at, at Anfield. I I think I'll probably take it. <laughs> you know what? I think, you, I think you probably should. And I think you did get away with it in a couple a couple of occasions mm. um in that second half in particular. Um but I do agree. It's been a bit it's been a bit mixed from Arsenal and um I think standards Although like you you got a game in hand on Liverpool, so you could be top of the table, but so this is going to be a slightly odd statement to make, and I think it just shows how inconsistent everyone is 
this season. I mean, I'm just looking at the form charts for the entire league right now, and mm. it is it's just all over the show. <laughs> no one's got all dubs in the last sort of five games. It's it's kind of all over Liverpool, even though they're top of the league in a minute. Like they've drawn six games this season, like out of the nineteen that they've played. So mm. it is a bit of a funny season. Um, but I feel like Arsenal is just not quite where it was last season, and I I I think it's coming from the midfield. I think I think midfield is definitely has taken one that's taken a bit of time to gel. I think it yeah. has been better recently. I mean, things I look at this month, and we've won in the league, we've, we've won three and we've drawn one in five. Yeah. So that's it's, it's ten points out of fifteen, which is not that bad, really. Mm. But for some reason, it feels. I guess whenever you lose a game, it's always going to feel like a bit of a pain. But yeah, mid- midfield's been a position which has slowly been getting better. Erdegaard's kind of had a bit more of influence. I thought he played very well versus Liverpool. Kai Havertz is starting to find his feet. Um, and he, but he's always been someone who's a bit more, more of a kind of a safe controller. And he's really good at keeping possession for us and winning the ball up high. Mm. But. Yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a weird month. I mean, we've had, we had we we won four three at Luton, which is I mean I know it's Luton, but they they're, they're a good team and City barely got past them, um you know, uh, you know just a few weeks afterwards. So it's a weird it's a weird month. <laughs> yeah, it is a slightly weird month, and I think I think it will get there for Arsenal. I think as People start to gel. I think Havertz is starting to sort of look a little bit, a little bit more confident. Um, and yeah, you will you will be fine because you're not losing many games, and you will get there. I think Declan Rice has been spectacular, mm. um, obviously. So I think the goalkeeping situation is weird, but I mean it's not not working. So yeah, there we go. I think it's I think maybe it's just striker where you've also been struggling a little bit. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, because Jesus, I think is, I think he's great. He's never going to be a prolific goal scorer, but he brings so much to the team. But it doesn't really feel like we're missing a striker, just in terms of the goals, really. Um, no, 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 not not really. You're scoring two a game at the minute, yeah. so they go and in sort of conceding less than one. So yeah, you're not exactly struggling a little bit, but yeah, I think you'll be. You'll be absolutely fine. I think this season, like, there is a massive opportunity there because mm. City have been spotty at best, like, and kind of rubbish at worst, like, <laughs> as City standards. Like, they're, they've obviously got two games in hand because they have to go and win a pointless trophy. Um, <laughs> but, so they would be right up level one points with you, but there is an opportunity there, like, because City have been so inconsistent. Yeah. Um, especially of late, they got one win in the last five. So this is the time to do it. I, I think Arsenal should strengthen in January. We well, yeah. should bring in someone of quality because this is what happened last season. Is you were right there and thereabouts. Obviously, you were by yourselves um, because Liverpool had a torrid season. Um, mm. But you need to strengthen, which I think is what you didn't do 
in January last season, like obviously you bought in Trossard, but um, like I think you need to bring in a, possibly another midfielder of quality just to get you over the line. Yeah. The issue, however, is that whilst we, we would want to get a midfielder in, um, is that in defence, we are very, very light at the moment. At the moment, mm. we, have, we have Ben White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko and Kivior. And they are our main, they are our main fit defenders. Tommy Asik could be coming back, but the Asia Cup is also coming up. And Thomas Party might be coming back, but the African Cup of Nations is coming back. Mm. So if we get one injury to that back four, we have only four fit players in in our defensive line, which is quite scary. Um, so I think defence is somewhere we definitely need to look at. I mean, I've, I've seen Rubin scouting Joro Hato, and yeah. who's a very talented player, and obviously he's very good for his age at 17, but he's also 17. Um, yeah. And left-back, he could be a decent option. I think centre-back, I, I think that's a bit, that's a bit I of a... I think you need someone that could... I think you need someone that could probably play both. Like could be a centre half, but could also be pushed forward to yeah. to also cover because as great as Declan Rice is, he can't. As you saw last season and seasons past with other clubs, you can't just be playing the same player for ninety minutes every game. No, like, you have to be a rare breed to do that. So, and I think as bad as the backline situation could be, if Declan Rice goes down. I think you're you're in a world of problems. Yeah, I the, mean, the dipping. I'm going on about. I'm not saying you don't have the bodies, but the dipping quality is bigger. In my oh, opinion, I mean, if I mean, if if Thomas Party could save it for a whole season, I, just, I definitely would be having this conversation. But at the moment, let's assume he's not going to be fit for the rest of the season consistently. Jorginho is our backup number six. He's a great player. Mm-hmm. And whenever he's played with Rice, he's been very good. But it's asking a lot of a 33-year-old who's never really particularly quick to begin with to be a pressing CDM. It mm. is, is a worry. Um, and, you know, I mean... It, it, yeah, I don't know. Like, you could be wrong because Declan Rice has shown his, his longevity like for seasons past with West Ham. Like He's not exactly been missing very often. But it's a lot. Like, can he is he capable of carrying you to a title win? Yeah, and 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 weirdly, I mean, the defense has been our superpower this season. I think we have the lowest um, shots on target against. We have the lowest XG yeah. against in the whole league. Um, the worrying thing, actually, is that I think in terms of shots on target, I think it's found that seventy percent of them have gone in, which is always. Yeah. It's always going to look worse when you have only basically two shots on target a game or one shot on target a game, but it is yeah. still a bit of a concern. Yeah, and I mean, when we look at the goals conceded, you you have conceded the lowest on 16, that's level with Liverpool mm. um, as, as well. But when you say it like that, and then Liverpool's XG against is quite massive compared to yours. Yeah. So it's sort of like... There, there we go. Although you're kind of not conceding anything, you've also scored less than Tottenham, um, scored less than Liverpool. 
um, as well. So and sort of you've only you scored less in Newcastle. Yeah. So yeah, there is that there's that balancing act, isn't there? Yeah. There is that because you've got so many injuries at the back that you're having to not play quite as expansive as as Arteta would want to if everybody was fit. Yeah, well, because I think in terms of pressing and controlling the game, I think we've been absolutely su- superb, superb. But I think for around about 10, 15 games of a season, that was at, at a big cost to our, our attacking. Recently, in recent games, I think since, um, I can't remember which game it was, but around about the last seven games or so, our attack has been a lot better. But obviously in terms of statistics, it's not really big enough sample size and it's still, you know, in terms of this goals for this whole season, we've, we've been struggling. We've been struggling to create and we've been clinical, but we haven't created enough until now. So now it's just kind of finding that nice balancing act. Yeah, I think you just need to find you've got that consistency already built in. I mean, it would be great if you controlled games and killed off games a little bit more frequently uh, like against the bigger sides but you're you're gonna get that I think I do think the loss against Villa was a blip yeah I think you did everything you did everything to win the game but sometimes things just don't go your way I think Liverpool that uh, draw at Anfield we just got United just got a draw at Anfield yeah. <laughs> and it's not easy to do at all um, and Liverpool are in such good form at the minute Although I think with their sort of midfield situation, they're, they're perhaps going to struggle with, again if they don't strengthen in January just because City has such a deep squad in terms of quality. And we mm. see it season after season that January when the sides that are up with them have that little dip when everyone starts to get tired. They just rotate <laughs> and they're back to where they want to be. Although I do think their options are more limited than they have been previously. Oh yeah, they've been going through some big changes. And I think a lot, I think maybe unfairly, a lot of this kind of responsibility has been kind of, you know, placed at the feet of Kevin De Bruyne, who's been out, out injured for a long time. And mm. you're asking him a lot, especially at his age, to kind of change the whole season for them. Um, I yeah. think have been a bit unlucky versus, um, you know, Crystal Palace. You know, realistically, they probably did deserve to lose that game, but I guess it's for lack of focus that kind of killed them. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really, it was a real funny one because obviously they were completely cruising, um, and then they just sort of fell to bits. And I think Palace had great spirit. They showed that the players were there playing um, for Roy and wanted to play and wanted to do better. And they sort of showed that against the biggest fish in the pond that there is actually something there, even though Zaha's gone and everything like that. There are players there that that want to do well for Palace. So I think it was a, as much about Palace turning it up as it was about City losing focus. But yeah, it was it was really strange. I mean, we saw it against Wolves earlier in the season as well, didn't we? Mm. Where just just almost fell to sleep. I don't know if they've won the treble, so they're getting complacent. But I think there's a few players in that squad that even though they've won all that stuff, don't have the right to get complacent. No, especially some people like, well, I don't want to pick on Phil Foden, but, you know, he, he's been needing to step up and consistently be in that team for a long time and he hasn't done it. I don't know if he ever will do it, at least until Pep leaves or a lot of key people leave. Um, but yeah, 
I, I, I don't know. I really hope City don't win the league again this season. I, I'd even, you know, even if it means Arsenal don't win, I'd rather someone like Liverpool wins, you know, as much as I'd love it to be Arsenal. It should be good for the league yeah. to someone else. Yeah, I think so as well. I think City, I think it depends what happens when they're back from this Club World Cup. I think they've got Everton yeah. next, who, who did nice not play well. Didn't play well the other day, but um, um, but so obviously they got their four wins on the bounce after the ten points got taken off mm. um, for breaking one charge. So it'll be interesting what they do against the unpunished 115 charges of Manchester City. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, Everton did play very well versus Spurs. They were quite unlucky not to get a point from that. They were. They had a goal disallowed, didn't they? Controversial. As well as the one, yeah. Yeah. Even the one, I mean, I think Spurs, I know you don't really want to talk about Spurs, but I think they've bounced back very well from the, the massive blip that they had. And they're sort of I still mean, there, there and thereabouts. They have a very similar issue to um, Villa to a certain extent, because they play such a high line and they don't really have the defenders ready to do it. I mean, even today, Fabrizio Romano posted about, you know, Christian Romero is injured. So again, that's both of their two main centre backs who are now out. Mm. And you know, you're gonna you're gonna be relying on Ben Davies and Emerson as your centre backs, and that's not really sustainable. And they're no. quite lucky to I mean, well, I say they were quite lucky. I mean the goal was rightfully disallowed, but they are still quite fortunate not not to draw versus Everton. Oh, completely. Completely, so they, and I think there are structural issues there, even even though they are very good. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of them will get fixed in the next few windows if they're going to back Ange properly. Mm. Then you obviously to play the style that he wants to play. If he's not going to change his style, look, that's up to that's up to him, and he'll he'll either like he'll die on that sword if he mm. if he needs to. Um, but he also then needs the players that want to play that way. And I think he's found the balance in the squad that's there. But the squad that's there still massively lacks in the quality as soon as the starting 11 are gone. Or any member of the starting 11, I think, like anyone that replaces anyone in that starting 11, the best 11 Spurs can put up, is nowhere near the level of the person they're replacing. Oh, true. Yeah. And, and, I th- and obviously Harry Kane's gone. Which then means that your thirty, your thirty goals a season guarantee, almost near as damn it guarantee, are gone. So someone then has to step up, and it's obviously been Song or Richarlison. Weirdly, recently they have to. Be. Um, but yeah, but that they have to, they have to be scoring um, in those numbers <laughs> to to play that style because they are going to concede a lot, particularly now because they've lost. Obviously, Romero's now injured for the next, was it five, six weeks or something? Yeah, I think four to five weeks, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's out every fifth game with yellow cards anyway. Mm. Um, but then you look at the players that are then going to be coming in, and it's like Ben Davis playing at centre-half, and that drop-off is just huge. Even even in midfield, you know, someone like Basuma, who, I mean, first of all, loses the ball quite a lot when he's been asked to build from the back. He's also mm-hmm. getting a lot of yellow cards. I think he's already on his second suspension so far this season, and that's not even cl- yep. including the red cards that he's gotten. Yeah, so, so I think it is uh, it is sort of like that gun ho style. Yeah. We saw it when they went down to nine men against um, Liverpool. Christ, I can't remember. No, uh, no Liverpool. Chelsea. Went 
Chelsea, that there was still that absolutely relentless pressing style. And uh, and look, it, it works. They're in well, the top we, four. Well, we didn't press, actually, but they, but they still kept the high line. And that was the issue that let them down. Yeah, they, which they was just bizarre. Down yeah, it was, it was yeah. a really fun game, but it was so weird. Yeah. So I think Spurs will strengthen in January, whether they bring in one or two bodies, I think, because this is such an opportunity for them with, obviously, sides like United struggling. Newcastle are in absolutely appalling form mm. like for the standards that they set last season and the investment that they've made. Like Tottenham are up there with Villa right now. Like That's a massive opportunity. It's, it's a weird one because... I think, and then this is not being, I don't know if it's an Arsenal fan saying this, realistically, fourth is probably the highest they could go. Because I, th- I think the top three is going to be one of Liverpool, City, and Arsenal, realistically. I mean, unless one of them has a massive blip. And yeah. I, that's not really, you know, considering they lost Kane in the summer, it's not a bad season at all. But when you have a manager who's so. You, you know, you know how he's going to play, and you know, probably seven times out of ten, if he gets the right players in, they'll be good enough to kind of survive and play the same way. But they also might go the same way of Leeds, whereas everyone knows how to play against them. And once you know the yeah. weaknesses, you can just keep exploiting that, and then you get injuries on top of that. I, I, I can't see it working well long term for Ange. But for the next year or so, I think it could work quite well. And it would do wonders for the fan base, at least. Yeah. And I mean, there's an old um, there's an old adage in tennis when Federer was on his uh, when it was on his best form of his life from sort of 2004 up until about 2010, where you knew what he was going to do, but there was nothing you can do about it. And I yeah. think that's the philosophy that Ange is going for. And if he gets the players in with that quality um, and like partners that with with strong youth performances, like coming in from the academy, you've got all the energy in the world there. It doesn't matter that you know how he's going to play because there's nothing you can do about it when they're at their best. And I think that's obviously what he's going for. Mm. Um, do Tottenham have the purse strings to bring in players of that quality, I think that's where the scouting department needs to come in and pull off a few miracles to build a squad that can actually challenge for the title when you do have Liverpool, Arsenal, City kind of there and thereabouts all the time. Like It's it's interesting. It's an interesting time. And I mean, look, if we're all being realistic, which or we're all being honest, rather, when Kane left on the last few days of the summer, mm. I think a lot of us put a nail in the coffin of Spurs for the season because we went, okay, yeah, Kane's gone. Brennan Johnson is a very talented player, but they're going to go into a season with Richarlison, Song, Song, who had a really poor season last season, and Brennan Johnson as the front three. Okay. <laughs> they're looking yeah. at ninth, tenth. <laughs> and instead, they've come in and sort of, they've been blown away a couple of times, but more often than not, they're blowing people away. Yeah, I think no. they'll do better than what people said they would, but I didn't think they'll be this good. Yeah. So, so I think everyone before they'd be ninth or tenth. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think everyone peaked them at that because you were there and you were going, right, ninth or tenth, or Newcastle are going to be ahead of them. West Ham coming off a European trophy going to be ahead of them. Manchester United, okay, Eric, second season going to be ahead of them. Manchester City, obviously. I think Villa was the one that people didn't really say much about. Yeah. But I, I like. Think... <laughs> 
it's it's been it's been interesting as you say it's interesting regardless like because they either capitulate or they play amazing football and win and there's not going to be a lot of in between yeah i think for as long as this injury period goes and i think some of it's also players adapting from a very low intensity style of Conte, at least in terms of playing, to this kind of 90 miles an hour with arms, it's going to be, you know, their bodies are going to take time to adapt. And that's probably why we're getting so many injuries. And it's probably why we're getting so many suspensions, because they're being asked to play this style, which is completely alien to what they're doing last season. So there's going to be lots of rocky roads. But for now, they're getting the results. Um, They are. Yeah. And the last side I want to talk about in the Premier League um, is a side that isn't getting a lot of good results, um, despite the massive investment, and that is Chelsea. Mm. I I also want to talk about Liverpool after this, yeah, but we we should talk about Chelsea. Okay. Yeah. Um, So, Pochettino coming in, a lot of money spent in the last year, coming up Mm -hmm. to a billion pounds of player the entire squad has been rotated Thiago Silva I believe is the only one left on the Champions League winning side under Tuchel but uh James as well well he's not really there is he no he's not true (laughs) but okay so the only two the only two left um desperate is the word I'm gonna use I think they are a desperate side um they don't know if they're coming or going they've scored 29 goals they conceded 28 they're sitting 11th for the minute on 22 points they've won two of the last five they've won six games all season um reese james because of his injury ends the year with one premier league win mm-hmm. and that's ends the calendar year <laughs> with one premier league win God. i think it's nine games all year in the league that chelsea have won um, you run out of words to sum it up and I mean we say in our group chat all the time that it seems like people have just expected this from Chelsea because there isn't that high pressure that Eric Ten Hag is under every time that he breathes or speaks like mm. there is none of that but Chelsea are worse significantly worse as a team like they are one of the most out of form teams in on calendar year in the entire country you say this okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let you continue so i'll let you continue well that was really it really they are <laughs> dreadful <laughs> it was weird for a period they were actually playing really well and actually just weren't getting results i mean in terms of underlying numbers like expected goals against and expected you know goals you know generated they were doing quite well and you were like, okay, at one point things are kind of, you know, going to kind of go, they're going to level out, you know, they're 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 going to start scoring the goals and the defense is going to kind of tighten up a bit. And for a while, you know, we got a two-two draw versus Arsenal. They got a four-four draw versus City. They 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 smashed Spurs in one of the weirdest games of the season. But then they also lose a huge amount to United or they'll lose to Fulham the next week. You, you never really knew. It was such a bizarre team this season. And I think this, I think they are better than they were under Lampard and Potter. 
to a certain extent? I think I think you, kind you, you of. I think I think you just you just don't really know because it feels like they're not improving. Mm. And football is a results business. And we can we can sort of sit sit and go, okay, well they're yeah, they're playing good football and Jackson is sort of starting to get some goals here and there. Um but they're sort of they're relying on the strangest players as well. Like uh, Cole Palmer looks a real good player, but he came into the side as sort of like a bit part City player, immediately became the club's penalty taker mm. and nailed down that right wing. And you go, is that someone to take you to the top of the table again? Like he's very young. They spent big money on him. And like Raheem Sterling is looking like the club, one of the club's most important players at the minute as well in an attack wise. Mm. And you know, you look at the squad and you sit and you scroll through it and then you go, oh, okay, like, this is a good young team. And then you go, they spent a billion pounds on this squad. Yeah. Who the fuck signed up on this? <laughs> and the thing is, like, it's in terms of, you know, signing youth, I think it's a fantastic idea for the reasons we talked about earlier. You know, it's easier to kind of get your tactical ideas on the pitch because they're just going to do whatever the manager tells them to. But at the same time, you do need that blend. And it's 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 so bizarre. And I, I do wonder if, if Lavia was fit at the start of the season, if that kind of midfield that we all expected to see of Lavia, Casado and Enzo, I mean, they haven't played a game yet. Right. What yeah, what would that look like? You're signing... This is the thing, you spent £100 million on, that, on Enzo, who Benfica had just signed for, what, 10? Like mm. in the summer before they spent 10 times the amount of money on him. Caicedo came from obviously Brighton and he looked like he's got good pedigree. But did he look like a league winning midfielder? Well, the, on the evidence, you'd say no. And Lavia, they just signed from a relegated Southampton. Right. And I know these young players, are, but he said one, he had had one season of senior football. The problem with buying, so I think these are all kind of piece players. The idea of it is that when all these pieces are together, it's going to be in the same midfield. You know, it's not like it's not like a Bellingham, who's a complete player, and to a certain extent, Declan Rice, who's a complete player. Steve Many, I think he's also a bit of a piece player as well. It's you, you need all of them to kind of come together to make this midfield what you want. But yeah. at the same time, you're spending so much on these piece players that yeah, it's just I don't know. It's it's bizarre. It's remarkable that despite what you're saying, they're buying peace players, they're buying squad players, but there doesn't seem to be a squad. Mm. Because the moment one of those players is missing, it's back to Conor Gallagher. And he's been great for these guys. And he's playing really well for them. Yeah, he he is. He sort of slotted into that role that Mason Mount had nailed um, at Chelsea pretty well. But then to have spent that amount of money and then have to. I think it just shows the players, that, and they have got a lot of injuries, mm. but it shows the players that they've bought that they're then immediately having to go back to the players that were there beforehand. I mean, Nkunku has just come in, um, and they signed him like a year and a half ago for the summer for, in some weird thing. And I think the thing is, when you sign players and put them on big contracts to try and exploit a loophole, you end mm. up with players that you signed because of a loophole. Yeah. And that is what they've got. So it's sort of bite in the hand that feeds you a little bit that they signed all these youthful players so they could put them on eight-year contracts 
okay, well, you've got players that you were able to put on eight-year contracts who would agree to that. And I mean, you've had to spend gigantic money on them. Mudrick, another £100 million player that no one had ever heard of. <laughs> unless you're a football managing... Unless you're a football so, manager. He was someone they didn't even want. They didn't even want. <laughs> but they saw him from Arsenal yeah. because we wanted him. And then just... You know, again, there's no... There was no plan for him. They already had four left wingers at that yeah. point. Yeah. So, and also, the weirdest part of this whole thing is that Gallagher, who is at the moment is their club captain and their best player, is on the verge of potentially being sold due to a policy they have of not keeping players who are in the final 18 months of yep. their contract, which he is. And they haven't offered him a contract. And I'll say, if and bringing it back to the club we were just talking about, if you're Tottenham and you're Ange, and you're looking for players with a lot of energy that want to play a high pressing style, yeah. And Conor Gallagher's coming to last six months of his contract, I'm snapping him up. Yeah, well, like, I would say he, he's 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 got 18 months, but yeah, same 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 idea. Yeah, yeah, well, okay. So in the summer, if they're not going to give him a new contract, then that is a cheat. That's an option right there of an experienced Premier League player, <laughs> and it's. They are a mess, like a absolute mess. And we were talk about Jim and whether he's going to have a big summer or a big January to try and stamp his authority down. Obviously, it's a very different circumstance because it's Todd Bowley bought the entire club. Jim, obviously, he runs the football side and owns 25%. Mm. Um, so I'm not saying Jim has the, the say, nor will United have the resource to spend a billion pounds. Um, but it is kind of like, I don't even know how to sum it up. It's just a mess. Yeah, and I think I think they have to stick with Pochettino because all these players are now on their one, two, fourth coach. Because Tuchel was there to begin with, Potter mm-hmm. came in, Lampard came in, and then Pochettino. They're on their fourth coach, and they played their best football under Thomas Tuchel. I love these players, like because Tuchel wasn't even doing that bad when they decided to get rid of him. He was, he, I mean, well, compared to this, at least, he was doing okay. He wasn't doing great for what Chelsea were the season before. But then Tuchel, yeah. Tuchel was the one that they screwed over because he didn't want any of these players. Yeah, and they thought that he played a, a 4 3 3. Yeah. Which is always the thing that I find most funny. Which I just think is, is stupid. You're, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, you've, never, you've never watched, you've never seen your own coach. Like, if you think that, he just won you the Champions fucking League. <laughs> it's so weird. Well, and, this is a session with 4-3-3. I get it as well, because, I mean, at the time I kind of supported the decision, because it's like, if you think he's not the right personality to bring this team forward and to make him, you know, a family, fine, I can understand that. But then it's also on your head if it goes badly. And ever, ever since, it's got worse and worse and worse. And just when you think it couldn't get worse, it continues to get worse. I mean, Chelsea... In, in in the last game of last season, it was mathematically possible that Chelsea could get relegated. Yeah, that's how bad things have gotten. I mean, you look at, they need to turn it around and they've got opportunities coming up to pick up some points. They're away to Luton, Luton who are no pushovers, no, as Sheffield United found out the other day. Um, they've then got the FA Cup and the League Cup where they're playing Preston at home. Middlesbrough away in the League Cup. Middlesbrough, again, no pushovers, but... They're a championship side. Um, 
and they need to pick up some points there because then they've got Fulham and and Liverpool in the league. So they've got a little bit of a respite after the Luton game before they have to go back to the league to kind of build up a little bit of confidence with two kind of good wins against championship sides, you would think. But this yeah. is Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> and it's... Uh, Oh, sorry. They're playing Palace today as we record this as well. So they've got other, they've got another opportunity against Palace, who are not, although they're a good team, they're not winning games. So yeah, but they are, they're they're rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens with them. And I think this this season has been quite be quite underrated in terms of intrigue. Um, and one of the most intriguing teams for me at the moment at least and probably the last team we're going to talk about today is Liverpool who we kind of mentioned briefly but I kind of want to dive into this a little bit more because their defence I mean maybe not their defence but this December has been so bizarre they just about scrape a 4-3 win over Fulham they have a good game versus Sheffield but Sheffield has some chances against them they scrape by Crystal Palace. They go nil-nil versus United, and they just about scrape past Burnley, and they just about get a draw versus Arsenal. And they could have maybe gotten more, but they also maybe could have lost. Are they? Are they lucky? Or is, I is, think, is, is it? Is it? Is it? I um, think they're riding their luck a little bit, and I think it's that rock and roll style of Klopp, um, where they do actually have some quality in that team, but. Mm. I, defensively, they've been very good, even if they are giving away chance after chance after chance um, a little bit at times, but they are very good. And I think the thing that Liverpool do very well is they just overwhelm sides to begin yeah. with, particularly their sides further down the table. They just can't live with their pace. which And and because everyone, it's very fashionable at the moment to play open, expansive football, and sides are trying to do that, which is why... Burnley, I think, played right into their hands from the get-go yesterday before sort of giving it a go. But by that point, it was too late. Um, the game was kind of, the game was gone a little bit um, because Burnley just do not score enough goals. You say that, um, they were think, very close to making that 1-1 one, one, one at one point. Yeah, but they're scoring less than a goal a game, Burnley, at the minute. So when you play the averages, like you can't give away a goal early doors when you're the side that are struggling to score. Yeah. So, and I think I think that's why Klopp was so angry after the United game because United didn't play open, expansive football. But you um, nearly scored. Yeah, he, but he had still got opportunities. Yeah, had chances, and I think so. Liverpool, I don't think they're getting lucky. I think they're tactically just better than the teams that they're playing at the minute, um, and they're not giving away too many goals. But are um, they? Well, they've they've conceded the same amount of goals as you. You were yeah. apparently the best defense in the league. Well, uh, yeah, true. But I mean, you know, we, we we talked about. I mean, yesterday Burnley could have potentially scored too. They, they, you know, I'm looking at Crystal Palace. Harvey Elliott scores in the 91st minute against a 10-man Crystal Palace. Fulham, yeah. they scored in the 90th minute just to. I think you know they just keep they conceded Liverpool three to Fulham. Keep going. Liverpool just keep going. They just keep going. And I mean, yeah, they conceded three against Fulham, but then that makes that's the fifth of the goals they've conceded all season. So I think with Liverpool, they, they just keep going and they're not going to quit because Klopp's got them so well drilled. Mm. Um, 
like they are living off the salary a little bit as well because guys like Nunes just Nunes who did score yesterday, but that was his first goal as sort of the starting out and out striker in what nine or ten games. Mm. So I think I think they need to reinforce in January as well, but up front I think they need a proper striker, Gapo. I don't he's still fairly early, but I just don't think he's working out. Same like, yeah, and Josh has been injured as well, who's yeah, Jot has been injured and um, Diaz isn't scoring as frequently as you'd want. So I think they are missing a few goal, like an out-and-out goal scorer, which is what City have. Um, and Villa, to be fair, with sort of Ollie Watkins. Um, you need that person that's going to just get the goals. And I think Liverpool are perhaps lacking in that department. But who, who the hell do you get? Mm. But There's it, not exactly many. There really is not many. 2025 goal strikers available but with, with these chances that they're giving up and the potential issue of goals without you know Salah and potentially Alexander Arnold who actually has probably been one of the best players you know in the league for the yep. past month or two you know he's turned his like you know, turn his form around even if he's still a bit shit defensively yeah I don't I don't know if it, it, it could catch up with them I don't think they've got enough to win the league because I do think they're going to have a blip. And in the midfield, I don't think they have very good kind of like, they don't have a defensive midfielder, literally, which is yeah. why they're having to play this kind of rock and roll style or kind of suffocating teams. And it is working, but at some point it's not going to work. And I think we sort of saw that against United and we saw that against Arsenal, although they should have won the game against yeah. Arsenal. They obviously had that chance that they hit the crossbar for. Um, they should have won, but they didn't. And I think it may catch up with them a little bit, but it really depends on how City come back. Like, because City recently have not been good. And I don't think if City start to play consistently and just knock out win after win after win, I don't think any of the top four currently have enough to stay with them. The thing is, with City, and this point, the last point, is Rodri has been playing. And early in the season, they felt like, you know, oh, they're only going to really lose drop points if Rodri is playing. But, you know, Rodri played in that 4-4 draw versus Chelsea. He played versus Palace. Mm-hmm. And really, they don't really have that many injuries. Really, the only person has been De Bruyne. I feel like yeah. there's not really a lot of opportunity for change in terms of personnel. I mean, yeah, Nunes think... and Kovacic haven't really worked out, but I can't really see enough improvements that would realistically like you'd be like oh wow now they're, now they're legit yeah I sort of agree because I just don't think Rodri's not been in the best form but then he's also as we've just said he's having to do everything because mm-hmm. Kovacic and Nunes haven't really worked out um, Stones isn't working there like he did last year Rico he's Lewis he's is not a defensive midfielder and Calvin Phillips is I'm presumably making the tea or something but like <laughs> there's so, as you said, there's not a lot of opportunities for change because no one can do that job as well, but he can't do it on his own. So the person next to him is so important. And I don't I don't really know, but Pep will think of something or they'll go out and buy someone. Like, that's the reality of it, because Calvin Phillips is probably going to go in Jan. He has to, surely, or he's not going to the Euros. Yeah. Um. So he'll probably go. So, but then... Same question as with Liverpool and possibly needing a striker. Who's available? Yeah, I mean, the, the who's only, available mid-season? 
I mean, at least City have some room with P PPL or whatever the phrase is now. So it's changed. But it doesn't it doesn't exist for them. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. Whereas for Arsenal, that is an issue with us. That's the reason why why David Wise is on loan and not permanent. And Liverpool, yeah. I imagine, might be similar. But then again, like who yeah. who do they bring in? You know, I mean, we're yeah, not, not going to get Florian Burks half the previous season. <laughs> No, no, you're not just going to go out and pick up Hoshua Kimmich like in Jan, mm. are you? Like, it's not going to happen. But let Rodri, we all know Rodri's qualities. And if it's Rodri and De Bruyne consistently, that's a very different team all of a sudden to Rodri and Rico Lewis. Yeah, it's going to be, right. it's going to be interesting. Are you still going with City as um, Premier League leaders, realistically? <sighs> Winners, well. You want to say, no, the thing is, I want to be... I don't want to do it. My head says yeah, but my heart says my heart says Arsenal. So um, I think I think Arsenal. Good. If you buy, if you bring in a quality midfielder who can cover for Rice if need be, and play every now and then to keep Declan fit, I think you can win the league. Whereas I don't think Liverpool, unless they go buy a defensive midfielder will win the league because I think they'll get found out and I also think they're drawing too many games. They've drawn the most games in the league alongside Brighton and Palace. Wow. That's kind of mental. Yeah. So I think they're I think they're drawing too many. Um it's gonna be a low scoring champions this year. <laughs> halfway through the see halfway through the season and the, like Liverpool could get eighty four points. That and they're they're awesome. lead, they're leading at the minute. Uh, obviously, if you win all your games, you could get more, but still 86. That's quite, that's relatively low. For already, reasons, already, already, you can't get Centurions. <laughs> but I mean, I think also that says about you know, the quality of this, you know, this is a, this probably is the most genuine free horse race we've ever had. You oh, know, I don't know about that. I, I, well, at least, at least in recent years, like, you oh, certainly used two horse races. Yeah. You've had a couple. Like there was that season that United came third. I think that's when Arsenal won the league and Liverpool came second in the early 2000s. So I don't think it was the Invincibles. Mm. I think it was one over one. That yeah. was pretty good. Let us know at Rogue Underscore Opinion. Um, what's your favourite free horse race? Can you keep yeah. it football related, or if you just have a good kind of free horse race you want to show us? Yeah. I mean, I, I, have, no, I have nothing to do this Christmas, so yeah, why, why not? Give, give it, give us, show us some. Uh, Derby, Derby clips on, 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 on Twitter. You know what? Um, if you can draw us the best free horse race, um, send your sketch to uh, at rogue underscore opinion and Liam will buy you an iTunes copy of um, Under Siege. Yes. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. That, that's how confident I am that no one's got to the deep end of this podcast. Um, I don't think iTunes exists still. I think it might do. But with that... If it, um, if it doesn't, Liam will post it to you. Sure. Uh, that, but yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly confident. Um, <laughs> but with, with that, Nathan, uh, do, you, do, you have, do you have a Patrick for this week? Do I have a Patrick for this week? You know what? We do this every week and every week. I don't really think of anybody um, off the top of my head. You know what? I do have someone, but I don't know who they are. Um, and I'll explain what I mean by that is and I'm going to go with whoever decided it was a good idea for um, number 10 Downing Street to do a Home Alone sketch. Oh, God. Have you seen yeah. it? I, I, yeah. I've seen clips of it. I, I, I don't want just to. Who, I just want to know 
whoever decided that was good, mostly because I'm hoping this finds them and they can let me know where they get their mushrooms from. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for the man, speaking of horses, um, <laughs> who won... Basically, someone um, won one of his horse races and they brought their... Well, they, they brought... Here, here it is. Yeah. It was... Shank Shark Hanlon Racing, who's a horse trainer in County Carlo in Ireland, and his horse won, and he brought the horse into the pub for a drink. <laughs> Brilliant. Only yeah, in Ireland. You know Good to him. <laughs> only, only in Ireland. I'm gonna go. I think they deserve to be the Patrick. Yeah. So you know what? Good for you, Shark. I doubt. I really hope that's not your real name. <laughs> <laughs> all right Nathan, do you have anything to plug I, I don't really i think um for yeah rogue opinions keep an eye out at rogue underscore opinion um just to keep the audience informed of what's going on this this may or may not be the last episode that you find on this feed um there will mm-hmm. be kind of like a unique ollie's at the wheel we should probably make it our new year's resolution to kind of a new name um, yes. But we'll get to it at some point. It might not be this January. Um, yeah. But one of the new years, we will decide on a new name for the show. But yeah, all, um, the main shows for Rogue Opinions are going to be getting their own unique podcast feeds in 2024. Um, that should be going live hopefully in the next couple of weeks. But obviously, keep an eye on the Twitter at Rogue underscore Opinion um, with news on when that happens. But otherwise, no, nothing really to plug. All right. And I think one of our new New Year's resolutions is that we're, we're going to try and do this podcast a bit more regularly than once every two months. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. At the very least, me, me and Nathan will try and do this semi, semi-regularly, maybe once a fortnight or once a week. Um, yeah. But we'll see. But hopefully you will hear our lovely voices a lot sooner. Um, I have nothing to plug, but I just want to say... Um, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and Free Palestine. Yeah, Free Palestine. Free Palestine.